and welcome to the Wards Auto Podcast. I'm your host, David Kiley, Senior Editor at Wards Auto. Well, it's finally here. Tesla Motors began delivering Cybertrucks to owners on November 30th. And here is Tesla CEO Elon Musk. But these things are rare. It's very rare that a product comes along that is uh, seemingly impossible, uh, that, that people said was impossible, that experts said was impossible. And this is one of those times. We have a, we have a, a car here that experts said was impossible, that experts said would never be made, that uh, it, it, it really is the most... I think, it's, I think it's our best product. I think it's the most unique thing on the road. And finally, the future will look like the future. So, um, and, and so what we have here is, is something that is a better truck than a truck, while also being a better sports car than a sports car. In the same package. This podcast is brought to you by American Axle and Manufacturing. AAM is designing, engineering, and manufacturing award-winning vehicle technologies to power a more sustainable future. Their team is pushing the boundaries of disruption all around the world with over 80 global locations in 18 countries. To learn more and join the team that is bringing the future faster, visit aam.com careers. Now, let's talk, or shall I say, let's torque, because the cyber beast version of the Cybertruck produces like 10,000 pound feet of it. So, joining me today is Stephanie Brindley, my old friend, the Associate Director of Research for Automotive at S&P Global Mobility. And we're just going to talk Cybertruck. I'm joined by Stephanie Brindley, who is Associate Director, Research and Analysis in the Auto Intelligence Group at S&P Global. Thanks, Stephanie, for joining me today. Thanks for having me on today, David. I appreciate but, the, the opportunity. Yeah, well, we're all friends, and uh, I wanted to talk to you about Cybertruck. So yesterday, Elon Musk uh, had a live stream on uh, his Z platform. And I guess some other outlets picked it up or kind of uh, hijacked the live stream, but I watched it on Z. You know, this to me has been one of the most anticipated, closely watched product introductions since since he first showed it four years ago. It's almost to me the last time I can remember something this anticipated was when Volkswagen showed the new Beetle in the 90s, you know, it was around 1994 or five right. at the Detroit Auto Show. And then it was like 2000 when they showed the production model. Tell me what you think about Cybertruck, which is like nothing else in the category mm-hmm. and how you think it's going to impact, you know, kind of the macro full size truck market. Sure. Um, it is it is unlike any other full-size pickup truck um, at, completely, but it's coming to market 
you know, at the same time as as General Motors and Ford and Stellantis are are expanding EV pickup trucks, so it, it's it's going to compete heavily um, with a with a very known and existing kind of uh, kind of truck. Pickup truck buyers are interesting in that they're more diverse in some ways than any other segment, but they're more demanding and more practical about what it is that they need. And I say they're more diverse because. A pickup truck buyer may be a work truck buyer. It may be a personal lifestyle that just wants to have a bed in the back so that occasionally they can help friends out or or move mulch or something. And then you've got, you know, your outdoors kind of guys that are like, or women that are, that are like, I'm going hunting or I'm going camping and that's what I'm going to use my truck for. Or you've got, you know, recreational towing uses. There's all sorts of use cases in there and they're specific and those trucks enable what these people want to do with their lives. It's a tool for their lives. And Cybertruck is going to fit probably more in that lifestyle type area. And the, the I just, I want to be cool to have a truck. It ha- can do some things, um, but I, I think it's going to be tough to win over some of the more traditional use cases. Um, and that's where the domestics will have um, an advantage in that space because they understand that a little bit better. Yeah, so first off, the, one of the things that I've long, you know, thought, I'm, and I'm not alone in this, this is not a truck that is going to have much appeal in the fleet business, no. the commercial business. And it's interesting. So I thought Musk's presentation yesterday was maybe the best one they've they've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I realized it was, you know, it was, produced it was they showed a lot of video that was pre-produced and you can make pre-produced video look as good as you can you know in terms of shooting and editing and we've seen them get in trouble in the past with producing video that was a little unrealistic with regard to you know what the actual quality or performance of their vehicles like on autopilot has been so but but i'll I'll say this i thought it was really interesting that the videos they showed and what he leaned into immediately was exactly the things that people like me and you have been saying okay yeah it's it's interesting to look at but we don't think you know it it probably doesn't have much utility so they showed it, they showed performance. They showed it on a track, beating a 911 on, on a track. And and then he said something remarkable, which I'm sure the people at, you know, car and driver, you know, are gonna are gonna put it to the test, which is uh he said, not only can we beat 911 on a track, an internal combustion, you know, 911 on the track. We can tow a 911 faster than the 911 can go itself. And I thought, okay, that's pretty good in terms of coming up with a, a benchmark, you know, parallel uh, analogy. They showed it filling up with dirt right. and having an automatic tonneau cover, you know, kind of. It, it was retracted, so it closed up over the, the load. It showed it pulling 40,000 pounds uh, on a on a track further than what they were told was the benchmark for this in the full-size category, which is the Ford 350 diesel. 
and, yeah. and it pulled it longer than that. So it it leaned into all of these things that we've been saying, oh yeah, it's 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 kind of a delicate truck. It'll be finicky, it won't be tough, it'll, you know, but he used the word tough like 37 times, you know, <laughs> 27 minute video. Well, and he needs to. I mean, that's he needs to show those those elements of it in order to to show that credibility. Um and I think the visuals of the truck are still gonna be a bit of a problem. And I don't know that it's it's interesting. I don't I don't know that being able to to beat a nine eleven on the track is is a super relevant data point. How much are you taking a truck on a track anyway? It's fast. But yeah, like Tesla two, it's like two point six seconds, zero sixty, you know, and like eight point three and a quarter mile or something. Yeah. In a straight line, it's really fast. Yeah. So I'll just leave that there. But um, <laughs> uh, but but we know Teslas are fast. We know that's one of the advantages of the electric motor. Any electric, that yeah. All of the electric vehicles are fast. So all that in and of battery. itself yeah. is not um is not a surprise for that vehicle. And the and the full size the EV pickup trucks from the competitors are gonna be fast. So <laughs> they're not gonna own the fast. Right. And they yeah. do yeah. You know, they and they have they will be able to tell um you know i i I think that when i look at the truck you know a a tonneau cover that can slide you know magically over dirt um is is not necessarily the most important thing um and and it feels like if you're mechanically doing that um you've got dirt getting in mechanics and that goes well um but it's it's still in some ways that 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 is is answering a question it's not really being asked um in that example, that particular example, in the 911 example, that's a question that's not really being asked. If you're towing um, your sports car, do you really want to tow your sports car and and go zero to sixty in two point six <laughs> seconds? And, and and I mean that's a risk. Yeah, no, t- that's a t- risk t- when you're towing something. Yeah, t- and point. I think he was making musk, what I call musk points. You yes, know, that, that these. That, that this is a real truck, which is what yeah. a lot of us have been saying. We haven't had a chance to drive it or, you know, put it through its paces is that it's not a real truck. You know, it's um, and he was he was trying very hard yesterday to say, no, people, this is a real truck. In fact, he said and I I'm like, really, Elon, he said during the presentation that this is the best Tesla we've ever made. You know, and I thought, mm, I'm having a hard time with that because best, first of all, how do you define best? Right. Uh, best, be. Yeah, best is performance. It's fit and finish. It's value. It's range. It's all these other things. Now, one of the things I want to talk about because it's it's an unknown, really, so far, but in order to get the stainless steel panels uh, into production, he he talked about the fact that they literally had to come up and develop a proprietary metal alloy, you know, that, that worked for this. And I'm going to give you a little bit of an example. This is the practical side of vehicle ownership. Mm-hmm. I drive a 2020 Ford Escape, okay? <laughs> and yeah. I have a dent in the back bumper about the it looked like somebody hit it with a baseball going about 500 miles an hour like it's that kind of a dent 
And to get it fixed, okay, the dealer told me, well, I got to replace the whole bumper. And that's going to be, you know, like $2,400. And (laughs) I thought, what? And so my immediate thing is, okay, if you're going to own this truck and you're going to, you know, get into some kind of accident or fender bender where a dent is left in a body panel that you I mean, how much is this going to cost? And how much is it because of how much it's going to cost? How much is it going to cost to insure? Mm-hmm. You, you know, I just, and those are real things. Cause yes, because this truck in terms of the pricing uh, they've released, I'm going to say base, it's hard to pin it down, but depending on how many boxes you check and which version you get, the right. spread on this is going to be very similar to other full-size trucks, which is, yep. Going to be like you know after federal after the tax credit, it's going to be basically somewhere between forty five and a hundred grand. Yeah, you know again depending on yeah. the version, depending on the boxes you check, depending yeah. on the ranges, you know that that you get. So, given the fact that the average transaction price today is about fifty grand, yes, there's going to be a lot of wealthy people like you know who want this as a toy in their car barn. But the people who took delivery yesterday, you know, I don't know how much money they have, but they look like a regular folk. And that was probably by design in terms mm-hmm. of the people they selected, you know, mm-hmm. to take delivery from Elon. And they were also, uh, I, you know, everything was managed. You know, they're very demographically diverse group. You know, there was a young couple. There was yeah. an older, gray-haired white guy. <laughs> there was different demographics represented Mm -hmm. but to your point where you said you know like the core truck buyer is not gonna i agree with you i don't think there's going to be that many farmers ranchers and construction guys who are going to opt for a cyber truck over uh enough an f-series or a silverado but here's the here's the big wild and tell me if you agree that this is a huge unknowable wild card and that is, if you put together the Tesla Rati, you put together young people who have, you know, who are who are buying their their, you know, buying, buying cars in their thirty, you know, kind of thirty somethings with money, yep. or even twenty mm-hmm. somethings with money, and you also throw in people who maybe have a conventional car vehicle like a Jeep or an Explorer or something like that. But on the other side of the garage, they have a Mustang or a, uh, or an Audi, uh, you know, a sports car or something. I'm wondering how many people who have that second play car mm-hmm. uh, are going to say, you know what? This thing is cool as hell. Uh, that's what I'm going to get instead of the Porsche, instead of the yeah. instead of the Mercedes Coupe, instead of the BMW, uh, you, you know, convertible. They're going to get they're going to get the Cybertruck. And there is potential for that, for sure. That's where that market really where where Cybertruck has has the best potential. And and there will be people. And, and that is part of I, I call them the lifestyle pickup truck buyers, but they exist. And this is something new. One of the questions that we'll see over time 
other than like you're right it's unknowable how many of these these people really are it's done um at this point but is how how many do they get like is it a one and done is it a one and done because you keep it for a decade and by then you've moved on to something else anyway um or is it you know is it a repeat thing is are they are they loyal to this truck do they decide that that you know when they're done with it in five or six years they get another one or do they walk away from that um and and how do they find it to operate and use over time and especially if you're talking about somebody who hasn't had a pickup truck before um you know they 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 may not realize that there are easier answers and that's one of the interesting things about this truck when you look at the steel body panels that we were talking about i i haven't fully understood why they need to be steel um i think he suggests that they're harder to dent to your point about dents. so one of the (laughs) but i'm like okay so so you you had to come up with a special alloy you're having problems manufacturing it it's delayed it it's going to delay profitability it's going to delay scaling up manufacturing to use a metal that other people aren't using yeah so what's the benefit why is it that important to have stainless to have steel well he actually made the point that that this alloy will break conventional stamping uh machines like it this yeah you can't right so so here's a couple of reasons and i'm just you know kind of echoing what came out in the presentation is that so the stainless steel alloy is you know they it doesn't need paint it doesn't corrode and it's bulletproof (laughs) they they showed a guy with a tommy gun firing bullets into the side of the, of a cyber truck and the bullets don't penetrate. Yeah. Now, uh, so they ricochet hit somebody else. Right. <laughs> this, this brings me to what I, sorry. Yeah. This this brings me to what I was going to call this the sport jacket question. And so, yeah. and that is this: everybody choose well. Many many I think the vast majority of people who bought when they buy a car, part of the quotient or part of the process is is this a sports jacket i want to wear right mm-hmm. so whether you're talking about a camry or, right. or a beetle or a bmw or what have you and this is a pretty crazy sport jacket and mm-hmm. there is a, a customer out there and i'm going to and again i don't know what all of these customer profiles add up to in terms of annual sale volume i have no idea and i i'm just going to take a flyer and say i don't think you do either i mean with all the yeah. analytics that that you use which is um i live in dearborn michigan for now okay and the mm-hmm. knucklehead quotient that lives in dearborn michigan where ford is based in terms mm-hmm. of the way people drive and what they do to their cars, I can see nationally that the Cybertruck is going to appeal to what I call the knucklehead car buyer. These are the guys who buy, and they're mostly guys, they're not ent- entirely you know, guys, but mostly guys who buy cars and start drilling holes in the exhaust to make it as loud as possible. Or you know, or they they jack up their trucks, or they jack up their their cars with oversized tires and right. this kind of thing because they're knuckleheads, and you know, and they want to drive a hundred miles an hour and challenge the cop 
there are so many of these guys in Deer Park. (laughs) And they exist nationally. And so one of the things, too, and and you you know this, let's say a $65,000, cyber truck is not going to deter this crowd from taking on an eight-year loan to pay for it. (laughs) No. No, Well, I mean, there's more eight-year loans out there than than ever before. And actually, to to get to the price, Racing point though too, it is it is on top of internal combustion engine full size pickup trucks. Maybe not at the very very low ends because you were starting at, at you know sixty one or whatever. Um, but that sixty to one hundred thousand, that's where most pickup truck prices are. Yeah. So there yeah. is there is something important in there in that it is it is a comparable price, and that's not something that we've seen in a lot of electric vehicles. And by that I mean you can get a sixty thousand dollar F one fifty ICE, or you can get a sixty thousand dollar Cybertruck. And so you do finally have a vehicle that is a comparable price for its size mm-hmm. and its capability. I mean, if you can tow the eleven thousand pounds that, that they're talking about, that's a reasonable number in that space. I mean, it's and you've got a bunch of torque from the EV motors, so of course you can do it. The question has not been can it tow. The question is always how long oh, the- and how far. Yeah. And what does it do to range? And all of that will be resolved. And I think even when we talk about that, ICE owners, whether it's diesel or gas, do see a drop in their range when they put a big old 11,000 pound trailer on the back of the truck. And they know that yeah. the, the the where it becomes a bigger issue on electrics is the infrastructure is not there and the time it takes to charge up more yeah. so than a pickup truck buyer who wants to tow that much does understand they don't get the same efficiency out of the powertrain. And so that concept of losing range when you put a big trailer on the back shouldn't be super foreign. The problem becomes infrastructure. And even when you look at Tesla's supercharger stations, are they designed and set up so a Cybertruck with a trailer can kind of pull up and charge? I think not. Well, the one thing... are, but Yeah, the one thing I'll say about that, or I guess my response on that one is that the Ford Lightning and the Silverado EV, which I've driven both of those now, yeah, those are really EV replacements for the ICE trucks. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not trying to do anything different than right. than give their core loyal truck buyers an EV version that is up to standard. So that when those customers convert to EVs, the greatest possible extent, they're not missing anything. Right. Yeah. Right. That was their Ford and, and James goal. And I suspect the it's the same same brief at uh, Stellantis with the rent. Mm-hmm. Musk very openly says, and I feel line with something like, you know, the future should look like the future or something like that. Yep. And yeah. And he he Listen, in the in the Walter Isaacson book, Isaacson writes that there was an army of people trying to convince him not to do this, not to do it in this way, with mm-hmm. the stainless steel panels, with the Marvel Comics design, <laughs> you know, and all of that. But, you know, and I keep saying, yeah, it's a dumb looking truck. On the other hand, he's got a few bucks more than me. He's more, way more successful. The guy knows how to put. Yep rockets in space i can spitball from the balcony you know all but it's the marketplace that's gonna decide, that will decide. 
And here's the other thing. This is going to be part of the early, I predict, this is going to be some of the early uh, buyers for sure, which is what we call the Teslarati. These are people who, when Tesla went public in the, those first few years, whether they bought a thousand shares or something like these people are a bunch of them are millionaires now off just yeah. off Tesla stock. These are average people who took a flyer and now they're mm-hmm. millionaires. And those people, and there's a lot of them. A lot of them. So yeah. like, like, yeah. you know, I'm not going to give you a, a sales forecast number on, cause we're uh, on the model. That's uh, we have a number, but um, they will be able to sell this truck. There are buyers out there who are going to want it. I mean, yeah. a lot of the the back and forth about whether we think it fits or it doesn't fit or what buyer what buyer that buyer might be. I have no doubt they're going to sell it. And Musk has done several things that on paper just look insane, and has been able to be successful with them. So while I have questions about the truck, while I have raised some questions about the truck he's going to be successful with it where I think um, there's sort of some limit to that is it's not going to be a, a, a replacement. It is highly unlikely that it would be F series volume, right. um, oh, but no, it will sell. No. Now it can still have an impact on the market because I don't think we're going to see is a huge uptick in the share of pickup trucks in the market. So it, it's going to sell, but it's going to take from someone else more so than we're not going to necessarily see the pickup truck market grow by the 250,000 units that he says he can build in 25 or 300,000. So it's going to, it's going to be a little bit of loss. It's going to be lost from someone else. And I think that's, that's where it's at. Um, So there's, there's some interesting things about this truck for sure. And I wouldn't say that he's not going to be successful. Uh, I do wonder how many buyers will buy the second and 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 what yeah. happens then? What kind of loyalty for this model will occur? Yeah, you know, th- there's a lot of open questions, and because they're not very, you know, press friendly or you know, industry friendly, it's hard to get any answers or guidance out of them on any of this. But when will it be refreshed? I mean, it looks like the future. When will it be refreshed? You know, like how yeah. how many years is this going to be like? it for 10 years of Cybertruck sales. And now you've got people, You, it's the funniest thing. This Cybertruck is confounding. I think from a marketing strategy and forecasting standpoint, because I feel like it's going to have the most diverse, weird sort of demographic buyer base, you know, in the history of the industry. <laughs> It could, it could have a, it could, it, it, and it might likely be very different from a traditional pickup truck and it won't, it'll be more the psychographics than, than the, the demos, um, yeah. you know, cause there is, there is a different thought process there. Um, but you know, he's had, everybody's been talking about it for four years and even now, even though the first couple have been delivered as of yesterday, he's also saying we're not going to have real volume until 2025. So whatever he sells in 24 is, is is almost irrelevant because he's not going to be at the volume space that he needs to be at, which kind of brings to the point that in, in 25 and we're going to have, you know, Stellantis involved, we're going to have more volume from General Motors and, and more volume from Ford. And so he's also not 
to your point about the General Motors and Ford EVs being pretty direct replacements for the ICE vehicles, he's not coming into this alone. He's he's going to have to find yeah. he's going to have to find convert a different a buyer in a different way. No, I get. Um, you. I just I just don't think he's competing with the Cybertruck against like there are people who buy a pickup truck that that I call sort of personal purchases, you know, semi vanity purchases. Because they want these are the people who also buy an Escalade, for example, and that don't need the utility. They like the presence, yeah, the for sure. size and presence of of the Escalade is what sells it. So this is what I mean. I think the Cybertruck over time, over the next three or four years, is going to hit everybody. It's going to hit yes. Escalade sales. It's going to. I think it's going to put a dent in how much people are interested in Land Rovers, for example. Ooh, Especially yeah. as Land Rovers go, not that they're a high-volume thing, but but I think very few people buy a Land Rover for the, you know, for the utility and the water fording and all that kind of crap. They buy it because of the presence and the brand and all right. that. But he's going to hit that. It's going to hit people who buy BMW SUV, you know, the BMW CUVs and SUVs, the Mercedes uh, SUV. It's just, it's going to hit, it's going to hit sports car. You know, people are going to buy a Tesla who otherwise would have bought a Mustang. It's just going to be all over the place. It is. I think you're right. I think that I would agree with that too. It is going to be all over, uh, which is how they'll get there. Like it's, it's still, it's, it's going to be a crazy crazy time watching this vehicle actually um, yeah, i was gonna say the other wild card that will that will sink or semi-sink to cybertruck sales and that is the thing that everybody's been talking about which is cost of ownership build and performance quality like is this thing gonna nickel and dime me to death does tesla have the because it's because of the finickiness of the assembly and and the materials and all this kind of thing and the fact that tesla doesn't have a, a legion of dealerships to take it to and service that they have these approved repair play like is the quality of the ownership experience going to be good or is it going to suck to the point where people are to your point going to be one and done the word of mouth is going to be terrible on it like looks incredible, looks like something you'd want to, you know, park inside your house, not in your garage because of how cool it looks, but what a pain in the ass to own it. You know, I think that's, it's going to be interesting because if you're thinking about the the sort of sports car, sport jacket buyer, right? If we talk about that, um, there's the willingness to try that. And I think also going along with that though, is, is Tesla continues to build up its service and say a service network. Um, it's, probably not, not as good as it should be right now. Um, but it, and, and we're still talking another couple of years before we really have volume of this thing out there. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take a bit. So they have some time to address some of those things, but that is where that's going to be the issue that stops a traditional demanding pickup truck buyer that says, no, it has to do what I need it to do. It has to be on the road. I don't have time to deal with, with wonky service situations and I don't have time to deal with that. But if we're talking about somebody replacing a 911 with a Cybertruck, 
that they're driving a couple of days a week and it's not their priority vehicle and they have a little bit more flexibility, they may be annoyed by it, but it might not stop them. And and I believe that that with sale with service, a lot of it has to do with how the customer feels about it. To your point, what is that experience? And if Tesla can make sure that they feel like they're being cared for, even if it takes a week, even if it takes longer, even if it's an issue that they think maybe shouldn't have been an issue in the first place, then then you can still get over it. I mean, there were when Model X came out, there were, you know, consumer quotes, you know, somebody who had an Escalade and a Model X and the doors weren't working right, as we remember, right? There was big problems with the doors. And she was still like, I don't care. Like, I'll deal with that door problem and give up my Escalade because the X is cooler. Mm. You know, and she just was fine with that. So there's a way to manage customer experience um, so that it's less of a detriment. And the big problem with customer experience is when you don't do that, when you just leave them out to dry and you make the make it more difficult. And the other factor, like I said, is whether you need it every day. Yeah. If you don't need it every day and you've got some more flexibility built in with that, then it does change the the concept of it. Um, or it, it, it there's more flexibility in there than you would think. Um, now the people who do have a bad experience are very vocal about it. Oh. <laughs> Um, you know, and that's, you know, the people who have a good experience aren't just generally whatever product it is, that's just how by nature we are. We, you know, we complain when something goes wrong, when something goes really well, we don't say that much about it. Um, so that, I think that that's a manageable problem, but again, I do think it's a bigger problem for somebody who's going to, to have to rely on it every day depending on, on whether they have quality issues or not. Um, it's not fully out there yet, so can't say 100% how that'll go. Um, they, you know, they struggle a little bit. And when you create new new processes, they take time to, to evolve. But I, I do think customer experience is something that, that can be managed in, in different ways. And it, it comes down to how you feel about that, not necessarily how long it took to, to fix. Hey, Stephanie, thank you so much. And uh, I'll tell you what, we both raised a bunch of questions. I think we agree. We like, I knew you guys have a forecast. I don't know if you, if you want to share it with us on what you think Cybertruck's going to do. I just don't have any idea. There's, there's a couple of big wild cards that just, you, you know what it's like? It's, it's like in the NFL, I'm a big Giants fan and we have uh, injury problems all the time, right? So I keep hearing the the guys connected with the team say, oh, he's awesome when healthy. Yeah, the problem, yeah. the problem is this guy, the player in question is never healthy and yeah. he's never on the field to show what he can do. So I feel like Cybertruck could be super cool, but not if it's a pain in the butt to own and you and it's difficult to keep on the road so that's my caveat so do you, do you have a forecast yeah, it, 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 uh, no i'm not going to share that we we don't always share our model level forecast so i'm going to hold Thank back you. on that um but you know that same concern can be leveled at model y and model three and they seem to be able to get over it yeah i just feel like the risk on this is or the the possibility of calamity in terms of owning is greater it, it, it's it's risky um you know and again i think i'd point to the model x and and, yeah. and that was not meant to be a two hundred fifty thousand unit a year vehicle but they did struggle with that and when elon musk says that that things are hard and we're having a hard time figuring it out 
and it's going to delay it and it's going to cost more than we thought. Listen, because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's so positive and yeah. he's so sure he's going to solve every problem that when he says he's having a problem, he's having a problem. Yeah. And it doesn't mean they can't solve it, but like that does make it challenging. And so it does it does raise some of those questions. But, you know, I guess I'll close on the fact that there's a lot of good things about the truck, too. The pricing, I think, is probably pretty good. Yeah. Um. You know, given given the conditions and where pickup truck sales are right now, and where where how much money people are spending on trucks today, um, the specs are there. My question's more about how the bed really works, more than can it tow, because I think it'll be able to tow and 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 do those things. But and you know, you've got style, you've got the Tesla name, and you've got something that's completely different. Um, and love it or hate it is never a bad place to be for design. You no, know, there's a lot to be said for that. I'm I'm I have a I have a hope for 2024 which is that Ward's Auto, believe it or not, turns 100. We are wow. the I believe certainly in North America we're the longest continuously publishing automotive, you know, source uh, automotive media. I'm actually targeting to interview all the major CEOs in 2024 for the, for the podcast. And I'm, I'm asking Elon, I'm going to send yeah. him a FedEx letter to his office and pitch it that uh, maybe you'd like to be the first CEO interview for our hundredth year. So well, well, good luck. Good <laughs> luck. That'll be fun. It'll thank be fun you. if it does. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Stephanie. Really all right. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by American Axle and Manufacturing. AAM is designing, engineering, and manufacturing award-winning vehicle technologies to power a more sustainable future. Their team is pushing the boundaries of disruption all around the world with over 80 global locations in 18 countries. To learn more and join the team that is bringing the future faster, visit aam.com careers. Thanks to Stephanie Brindley. Remember to subscribe to Ward's Auto Podcast on your favorite platform like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or you can play it off our website, wardsauto.com, when you see the story that accompanies our weekly podcast. Just open the story and click on the link to listen. I'm your host, David Kiley. Graham Mitchell is our engineer. Until next time, enjoy the ride.